What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm your support tonight with Braden and Will. How's it going, boys? I, I'm good. I am just reeling and, and being very thankful um, after what I've read in the um, in, in kind of articles this week, talking about how lucky Arsenal were that Tottenham weren't at their best uh, this past weekend. I'm really glad we were able to squeak by them uh, in that match. Um I, I don't know what it's going about. We'll talk about it soon. Uh, I've, I've had a fantastic weekend. Well, you know, this episode will belie itself because there's a there's two sides to every coin. And this weekend, boy, my coin was in a fucking well in some third world country. Uh, and today, my coin is the whatever the fucking opposite of that would be. That's a weird analogy to begin with. Uh. I'm feeling better than I was, but I still got some questions. But yet another week of uh, other teams who are in the headlines aside from me, uh, even though the whole world wants to tell right-backs how to be right-backs, and only like three of them should. It's whatever, man. Let's just get off the show. Yeah. Reese James, best right-back England's ever produced. Um, having said that, I am still in a great mood because I did not watch the derby. I was out in Maine. Um, had an absolute blast. Ate a lot of lobsters. Definitely recommend. But hopefully, if you do go, do not go in the next couple of months because it'll be very cold. And talking about cold, Will, um, your betting is what I heard was really, really cold this week. And quite possibly would have been for me as well if I was uh, man enough to send in my bets without any explanations. But Braden, take it away with the results, sir. Yeah, so as forementioned, uh, Sapoon uh, did not bet this past week, so it will just be me and Will. Um, so, uh, Will, on an outlay of a thousand pod bucks, uh, ironically enough, only got the Everton result correct to return 345 pod bucks. Uh, we knew when we were recording this that Will going against Newcastle and taking Everton was, was going to do weird things. Here's how it turned out. Sorry, Will. Best of luck next time. Uh, and I me, die! <laughs> and, and for me, I barely squeaked out profitability um, on the back of um, Brighton's lovely going ahead, then coming back against Liverpool. Um, I ended up with uh, 1,080 pod bucks uh, again on outlay of a thousand. Um, so any profitable week is a good week. So uh, here's so many more. Well, since I did not send in my bets, I'm gonna take it as um, I didn't lose any money. So. You know, sometimes uh, no bets are the best bets. Having said that, uh, this week is definitely going to be different because I am here and we are going to be betting a decent amount of pod bucks. Going to say money, but not. But before we go all in all of that, let's talk about some of the games. First and foremost, Northland and Derby. First game after the international break. First game in what feels like almost a year since uh, we had last seen a full slate of Premier League games. Arsenal 3 Spurs won a big, big result for Arteta and the boys. They keep winning games over and over again and keep staying number one. Braden, thoughts? Uh, it was great. Like It was just fantastic uh, to watch from the minute it kicked off. Uh, Arsenal were pretty much in control of this game. Obviously, when uh, Spurs got the penalty and went 1-1, uh, they were a little nervous at that point. But I, I think pretty much... The rest of the match told the story there. Something like 64% possession, uh, 22 shots for Arsenal to seven for Spurs. Like it, it pretty much tells you the story of that. Like it was a pretty thorough um, domination of, of uh, our rivals across uh, 
what is it uh seven sisters road um yeah no um i there you really can't call out any one arsenal player is having a great game like pretty much the entire team was on it uh from the start like i i think odegaard maybe had the worst game of them and even that i'd say is like a six and a half seven out of ten like I, all everyone was really pretty solid um Grant Xhaka is reborn as an attacking eight. Um, it is some is really something to behold. Getting another goal this game, um, and and Jesus scoring the goal that like I think most Arsenal fans looked at and said, "There's absolutely no way we score that goal last year because we don't have anyone who will gamble on something happening with the keeper." And you, it's just it's the little things like that of he anticipates that something might happen, and I'm gonna go there if it if it does. Luis and Romero both like kind of make a meal of it, and Jesus right there slamming home. Like it's it's just those little fine margins that separate the difference between like this Arsenal team and last year's Arsenal team. And long may continue. Like they they're in a good vein of form. Obviously, uh, coming up in October. There's going to be some tough matches, especially when you throw in the um, European competition. But that's the case for most of their rivals as well. So I, I'm looking forward to it and seeing how long they can continue. Um, it's just a really solid win for Arsenal. Uh, consummate performance is the best uh, words I can I can come up with. Uh, I kind of expected this to be be a banger of a difference, or I expect this to be more of a draw, and this ended up just kind of being. Arsenal coming out and being the better team, I, if you've been paying attention to the media like your boy has, uh, it started to become a, is this already a two-horse race? And I'm not even going to say it's way too early to talk about races and horses and all that good stuff, but Arsenal do, they look the real deal. Uh, I said that I thought this first team did, and there are still some opportunities for them to show that they are more finished side than I give them credit for, but Arsenal look the complete side, and it is based Kind of solely on the goal by Jesus because it's been a minute since someone from Arsenal is willing to just go, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to put myself out there and hopefully this turns out okay. And that is not shockingly something that I don't think people talk about enough is like a team to be really, really successful needs somebody who's willing to kind of go put their neck out there for no apparent reason or or their head if you're a Miami Dolphins uh, fucking health person, head, neck, same thing, whatever. I tried the joke, it failed. It doesn't matter. Arsenal won this game comprehensively. I, I'm i really afraid for this weekend is the best way I can put it because, again, they look a complete side, and if the results continue like this and they continue to win high-magnitude games like this in kind of not fantastical, like they won very handily, a match which typically might be out of, not out of their death, but Maybe not something they could finish off, and they finish it off easily here. Arsenal's a real deal, and I hate it, and if not given performances in the past couple days, I'd be having a much worse time thinking about Saturday than I am right now. But still, long live the Gunners again, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to go that far, but um, as far as Arsenal go, I think this is very, very promising signs of what should be a title challenging team within the next couple of seasons if not this season i think uh being able to dispatch of teams the way they have and honestly the calmness with which they play i think 
I think Arteta has done a very, very good job. And if as long as they keep getting the right signings, um, it's going to work. And uh, hopefully over the course of the next uh, month or two before the World Cup, we are going to see uh, more than a two-horse race for the title. But as things currently stand, the other team in the title race cannot seem to stop scoring. Specifically, Erling Haaland cannot seem to stop scoring. A hat-trick for him, a hat-trick for Phil Foden. Six goals for Manchester City in the Manchester derby. Three for Man United, two of them in the last 10 minutes of the game. Brain, any um, thoughts on the overall game? It's a. I'm torn on this one because in a lot of ways... When you look at the way that City played in this game, like they are a team that clicked on all cylinders, and just it's frightening what this team can do uh, when they're in that situation. I saw a lot of commentary about how bad United were defending, and there was some of that at times. But there's a few of those goals where it's just like Kevin De Bruyne puts a ball that only Erling Holland can get to. And Holland puts it in the back of the net. Like, there's just not a lot that you can do about some of these, uh, even if you're defending, you know, correctly in that sort of... Like, I think it's the sort of thing where Holland's movement and De Bruyne's movement and De Bruyne's ability to put a ball wherever he wants kind of makes you look worse than you are (laughs) at defending in a lot of ways. Like, they forced the bad defending. And I... When the city team is playing like this, I, I don't know who's going to beat them. Like I, I just, you could have put anyone there, and I think they would have, would have pretty solidly um, dispatched them on that day. Um, it, good at least talking about United. Good at least to see a little bit of a fight back. I think, and and like it wasn't a like we're gonna come back and and win this game, but like you can. You kind of have to make a decision of whether you're going to just like shut up shop and because comparing to the North London Derby, like after the red card, like Conte subbed out like four guys immediately and it was sawn off, cane off. Like it was okay, like we're going to immediately go into planning for the next game in, in midweek and that sort of thing. And I, for United, I didn't really see that. I saw a little bit more of at least a willingness to go and try to get uh, a couple goals to have a little bit of self-respect there. And so how much, you know, moral victories count in derbies, like not a whole lot, but you can at least draw something from that. And I do think it's one of those signs of like, whenever you have a result like this in a derby, like all sorts of like questions about, um, you know, managers, players, all that sort of thing start coming up. And I don't think you saw any sign that the team is not completely willing to play for Ten Hag and keep going. But a, a worrying sign, kind of one of those, this is, this is like where the, this is where you still have to get to if you're Man United. And it's not, it's, it's a full rebuild basically. Um, and but like city were just so good on the stay. And I don't know who else like stops them. <laughs> so, uh, on the day, I think I was very, uh, deferential to Manchester United because I remember I was, I didn't want to show up to the pub for my own team's games. I'll show up and be a conscientious, uh, asshole at the pub. Uh, but I was very deferential to United because I said, Hey, 
United still put three by arguably the best team on the planet right now, and they're saying something about that. And I wanted to pick something from that and be like, mm, maybe there's some defensive frailties that we can see there or something like that. Uh, and I think that there might be a time to have that conversation at some point. That ain't this. Because upon revisiting this match, Manchester United tried and got beat by City just being fucking outrageous. Like, Holland is a cyborg, android, robot, whatever you want to call him. But he's a fucking happy robot because he looks like he's happy to be there. That interview with fucking uh, Gary Neville was actually kind of adorable. He sounds like an actual City fan. Something I've never seen before. And the guy goes out and plays like it. Same thing for the hometown boy. Phil Foden found himself in every space he needed to be to get a hat trick in this moment because it was the match that meant the most to these two dudes specifically. And you can see from how happy and stupid they were trying to argue over who got the match balls afterwards. Like, a city team that looks like they're having fun is not something that you want to see coming at you at any given time. Just ask Copenhagen today. Got rolled like some fucking long cut. That's a tobacco joke. I will go ahead and say I do think there there's no hard done here on United. I saw people in certain uh, group chats of mine saying things like it looks like men against boys out there. I don't know if it's, you know, men against boys as much as it is like giants versus men at this point. But Robots versus I, men. <laughs> it's, it's the Terminator out there. Who do you expect to win? Uh, uh I don't. I really can't say anything too hard done against United here because I didn't necessarily see them. There were times where like they got picked apart maybe a little, little bit too easily, but on the most part, man, City just went out and did City things. And sometimes you just gotta fucking tip your cat to fucking City. I'm never going to do it. I said sometimes I will never. But you know, <laughs> good on City for this. It's a. It's a result that. <laughs> it's a fucking result, man. Fucking result. I think well, you touched base on what was my kind of takeaway from the game. Um, over the years, I think United fans have seen this a lot, where we go into a derby, and if there was a vulnerability in the city team, you see the academy boys turn up like the Rashfords and Lingards and company over the years, and put in performances that would you know you go out win a couple games, and see what happens from there. You see that with Man City now, which is kind of a scary prospect. You've got um, Haaland, la- supposed lifelong City fan. Um, you've got uh, Phil Foden, you know, M- Manchester boy, grew up as a City fan. And then you are seeing the new breed of academy kids come through. So I do think City are reaching a very, very dangerous stage if you're a Manchester United fan. Because it, there was a time when barring a buyout that they did end up getting city was never going to compete against manchester united in the 2000s like over the years that that is what had become acceptable and i think this game does show like manchester united have a long way to go before they can even consider themselves at the same level as city but as far as united go i think if you look back at the first goal there's a moment where sancho can play bruno through he does not he fails to make that pass and if he does play Bruno through, Bruno's through 1v1 against Ederson. I'll take my chances there. Um, but that doesn't happen. The ball goes the other way. And it's 1-0 Manchester City. Not the, uh, not a whole lot of time in between that misplaced pass and the goal. I think that kind of rattled the team. And 
when that's happened this season, United, for one reason or another, do not know how to respond to that. Like, it happened in the Brighton game, it's happened in the Brentford game, and now it's happened again, where they went down, they start doing too much, forget all the principles that Ten Hag has tried to drill in in a short time there, and... To be honest, the difference between the two teams, not just in terms of investment and all of that, is realistically one manager's been there for six years and has got to implement his philosophy, he's got the time, he's got the players, whereas Ten Hag's just come in, and as Brayden said, it's a full-blown rebuild, and this is a good reminder of that. Like, we beat Liverpool, we beat Arsenal, and people kind of forgot that we're still in a rebuild. Like, rebuild does not mean you need to suck like the Browns and go 0-16. Like... You can be decent. Sorry, well, like just catching strays here. Um, for no reason. For your what? I mean, so are the Giants. Um, but uh, as far as United go, I think, again, no matter how much money you spend on one particular player, there are a bunch of positions needed. I still think the moment you upgrade from the hair, we're going to see a completely different defense. But if there's one positive that you can really take from this game is that Harry Maguire was not on the pitch and we conceded six. Like, if Harry was there, people would have blamed him for every fucking goal. And I didn't hear a peep about Varane's mistakes, about the Hayes' mistakes. Like, and th- that's kind of what, like, pisses me the fuck off. Like, people want to go about these narratives. Like, Granit Xhaka, I think, is a very good example of that. Like, there was a time when everything wrong with Arsenal was personified by him and he's now club player of the month like he's loved again by the fans i think you arteta's done a great job and ten hag also has a job similar to that in terms of getting a lot of these players who are probably down on confidence to come back and start performing again because again if Varane's injured i guess Maguire's currently also injured you're still going to need players to play so there's a long road ahead for manchester united i think i have said multiple times that if the coach is correct, if the signings score right, three years is the minimum timeline for United to become a title contender. And people keep telling me I'm stupid, I'm X, I'm Y. I mean, beating Man City was not never going to make you a title contender or not. But well done, City. I think Erling Haaland back-to-back-to-back hat-tricks. Kind of on a scary pace right now on what he might do at the end of the season. Like I, I do think the record that Salah set um, might very well be in trouble if um, Holland does not get hurt. So we shall see. And my $10 bet of Jesus getting the golden boot, sadly. I, I think we're done on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing Man. that can stop that is Erling Holland's hamstrings. Let's hope so. Um, actually, no, I'm going to take that back. Let's not hope so. I do not wish injury on anybody. Having said that, let's move on to... What us football fans like to always move on to, that is the games coming up. Because no matter what happened the week before, there's always the next game, unless it's in May, and it's a Champions League final, and you lose to Real Madrid, then there's no other game. But right now is not that time, Will. Straight. We are... <laughs> that was not I, a straight That up. one's kind of on topic. That's, yeah. that's... <laughs> it, it's not exactly a stray, but it's more of a... Like... like... You are hanging out with the wrong person. It's not exactly <laughs> straight. My nightmare is forever and ever. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say, though, the one good thing right now as a Man United fan is we're still ahead of Liverpool on the table. So and, uh, things can change with this upcoming week. And 
potentially things could change drastically. But before we go and discuss all the games, Braden, do you want to give a rundown on how we're going to do it? Yeah, so kind of as we alluded to uh, when we did the results earlier, what we're going to do here is we're going to bet 100 virtual dollars. We like to call them pot bucks around here on each of the three-way money lines uh, for all the games this weekend. So 10 games, 100 pod, bu- pod bucks, 1,000 pod buck outlay. So uh, we'll bet on the three-way money line. We will talk uh, some over-unders. Uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit of spreads, potentially some goal scorer props, other props, whatever like tickles our fancy. But the main thing that we're going to talk about is the three-way money line. And, and so uh, what we'll do is we will uh, tally all that up, see how we did at the end of the week. We'll be back next week and uh, kind of go over results and do it all again. Yep. And to kick things off this weekend, we are going to start with a thrilling game between Bournemouth and Leicester City. Bournemouth at plus 240, taking on Leicester at plus 110, draws at plus 240, over-unders at two and a half. Leicester, after a convincing win against uh, Nottingham Forest, Braden, do you think they'll continue that? Absolutely not. Like I, I love this with Bournemouth at plus 240 here. You're getting uh, the right odds for it. Bournemouth have been a little bit better um, since they got rid of uh, Scotty Parker. They have been a little bit better team. Leicester, I know they had the big result, but like, if you look at any advanced metrics, uh, their last game against Forest was pretty even. Uh, it's just, you know, Madison is capable of some of those moments. But um, I, I think Bournemouth have it in them to take what I still, I, I'm not convinced that this Leicester team is not a bad team. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go with Bournemouth. Um, I'm convinced that everyone in this bitch is a bad team. Uh, so I'm going to say they equal each other out. I'm going for a draw. I do see Lester. <laughs> fuck it. I see Lester capitulating after a, a very convincing win against a Forest team who looked out of their depth, even though they weren't out of their depth at all compared to this Lester team. Um, but I also think you see a Bournemouth team who will go and take it to Leicester, and Leicester's going to have to fight them hard, and it's going to end in something that I don't watch at 7.30 in the morning, a draw. It gives me plus 240, which is the same odds that Braden would take with Bournemouth. I feel safer saying that I'm not going to watch this, and, well, I am going to watch this because it's Saturday morning, and I'm always going to wake up for the match. Let's not lie about this. But I ain't going to enjoy it, and I'm going to take the draw because I'd rather win some money and be bored on a Saturday morning than just be bored on a Saturday morning, I guess. I mean, I'm going to be sleeping at 7.30 on a Saturday morning, but um, I'm going to go with Leicester in this game. I think I get them as plus favorites against what are potentially one of the worst teams in the league. And for what it's worth, I think when Madison's playing well, they are a very decent team. Harvey Barnes has moments that, you know, if he can get consistently, he'd probably make the England team. But not for the World Cup, like in the future. Um, The only thing I will say is, Leicester do score a lot of low XG goals. So set pieces, long range shots. And the one reason I am not entirely confident, but I am going to go play the odds here is because those are kind of hard to reproduce week in, week out. Very few players consistently keep scoring low XG goals or else you would be, you know, messy. So I I do think um, that is something to bear in mind. But as long as James Madison is starting, as long as the team is getting healthier, I do believe that um, Leicester are or should be uh, winning against Bournemouth, even though Vitality has had its issues with the big teams. Um, Moving on, 
Chelsea minus two forty five taking on Wolves at plus six seventy five draws at plus three sixty over under two and a half on Wednesday October fifth year of our Lord twenty twenty two we do not know who the next manager of Wolves is going to be most likely the rumors are set for the recently fired Sevilla manager Lupetegui to come in and take over as a coach. We'll see if that does transpire, but at this very moment, we don't know who the coach is going to be. At this very moment, we don't know how severe the Fofana injury is because he left in crutches after a knee injury and the big money signing from less than no less could potentially um, have a bad injury again. Hopefully not. Hope to see him recover soon. Will, what are your thoughts going into this game? Uh, If not for the first fact that you had pointed out i would have a little bit more of a uh, leaning towards thinking about wolves um but because we don't know who the next manager is going to be uh i think i'm going to have to put my money on chelsea on this one it's not going to serve me well as far as money making money goes but i do believe that this chelsea team should be able to come out and handle wolves teams who's in a tidbit of a state of flux chelsea are kind of fine in their form they had you know decent results tonight uh, in European competition and a decent result last weekend, and I think that that should continue. I think Wolves got some stuff to figure out. They're doing a little journeyman thing. They're going to go eat, pray, and love about themselves and get them a hot, beautiful Spanish man to be their manager. Um, I really hope he's handsome or I just said that on air and it's going to bite me in the ass. Uh, anyway, enough about hot dudes. I'm going to pick Chelsea. Let's just keep going. I think I'm going to go with Chelsea as well. I think it's very hard to get over having no manager like just playing with the interim manager i think it's a tough spot for teams to be in so uh, potentially if the new guy gets in i I don't think he'll really have enough time to to make the you know any adjustments like he'll probably have a team chat with the team before the game but like that's probably kind of it so like i i don't really know what kind of impact he could really have Wolves are always kind of interesting with a draw just because they've traditionally been a very well organized team, but I don't, I, again, like I, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, so I'm going to take Chelsea. I think they're just a more talent, like, well, no, I don't think they're a more talented team. They are a more talented team and I think they'll play just enough like that to, to get it over the line here. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Chelsea as well. Same reasons. As before, and I don't think uh, Grant Potter is going to have as much trouble making his team play against uh, somebody who does not have a manager as certain other managers seem to do nowadays. Um, Moving on, Manchester City at minus 800, taking on Southampton at plus 1700, draws at plus 800, over-unders at three and a half. I really have a feeling Erling Haaland might not fucking start in this game because he started this midweek game. However, Braden, do you believe in Erling Haaland to score another hat-trick to make it 4-4? Four and four? He doesn't necessarily have to start to still get a hat-trick. Um, I, him coming on the 60th minute is still, I guess, plenty of time for him. I, I don't know. Um, it's a tough one because whenever you look at a team that's minus 800, you've got to be like nailed on sure that they're going to win. And Southampton have like not a good team but just kind of like enough decent players that like you get a couple James Ward Frost pre-kicks that go in like Southampton is one of those teams that always seems to have a path to 
a surprise result, even if they're not good enough to like count on them. But I don't really see it. Like I just, if this one's in any danger, I think Holland. Like let's assume Holland doesn't start for a second. If it's one one or something in the 60th minute, Holland's going to come on and run an entire defense. And how do we think that's going to go? <laughs> like there's really only one winner here outside of the truly odd. Uh, happening so for me in real money this is a stay away but for the purposes of our discussion i'm gonna go with man city because i i really do just think they're on another level right now and i don't see southampton especially with like some of the rumors that were coming out uh, about uh, hassan huddle like i i don't see it here well folks this is where this bit is going to end because this is the end of ralph hassan huddle's watch if the rumors that I've heard and have been shared with me and uh, if there's, I mean, they gotta be true. If you go out to an Everton team who is kind of looking bang on average now, but based on what we've seen from them is not that great. And they kind of look at very, very competent side against you last week. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of questions about your job. And now you're running into the indomitable buzzsaw. That is a Manchester city team that looks like they've done every steroid available to God and, you know, could punch Satan and get away with it. Yeah, bruh, you done. It's over. Minus 800 is not something I, like Brayden said, I don't ever want to touch this unless I'm willing to put a bunch of money on it and hoping for something stupid to happen. But ain't nothing stupid going to happen here. I'm taking Man City. I know I'd say I never want to take him, but, like, it's... If I'm going to end my own bit then I'm going to do it by betting on Man City to send Ralph Hausenthal straight to where he belongs. The Ur device where he'll probably win a title with FC20. Work for Steve Pryor. I do not chat shit about our assistant coach here. Um, <laughs> hey, he, won- he wanted that basic. <laughs> I mean, uh, there might be an opening at Ajax pretty soon um, if he really does want to go to Ur but... Um, as far as this game is concerned, I'm going to take Man City. I think even if Holland does not start, you've got Julian Alvarez, you've got all the fucking weapons you need. I think they'll be okay. Um, the only thing I will say is sometimes going into the la- when it's already rumored that it might be the last game for the manager and you're playing with like your backs to the wall kind of situation... You do see sometimes teams pull off a result, so that is something I will be wary about because, but it really comes on like if he actually has lost the locker room and whatnot. Because again, Manchester City is a team you cannot really go with even an inch of doubt of what you're tra- fucking trying to accomplish that day. And I don't really think um, Southampton players are going to be that straightforward. Moving on, Newcastle. At minus 120, taking on Brentford at plus 320, draws at plus 265, over-unders at two and a half. It is wild what 12 months can do because if 12 months ago I told you that Newcastle are going to be in a much better position than Brentford, most people would not have believed. But a buyout happens and you get the influx of cash and all of a sudden Brentford looks to be a pretty ordinary mid-table team. They can sometimes hurt the big squads if they are not at their A-level. Newcastle, though, very, very good team with a very good coach in Eddie Howe. Braden, what do you think uh, the Newcastle boys are going to do? Yeah, I do think they're a little tricky sometimes because I I think their form can be up and down. Uh, But I I think 
playing this match at St. James Park, I think will be a difference here. I, I think that they will take care of Brentford, even if look, I, Ivan Tony is the guy is the guy who can maybe make a difference here. Like he is capable of like kind of dragging Brentford across the line on his day. Um, but I don't really see that happening. I, I think Newcastle are the better of all team. I think there's just a little bit more squad depth. You've got guys who are playing uh, really well uh, for Newcastle all around. So I'm going to go with Newcastle here. First off, you probably already know what my bet's going to be because I did terrible things last week and I bet against my favorite Newcastle. So, yeah, that's who I'm going for. Uh, if you want an explanation for it, Sapoon did say something that, like, Brentford does look a bang on, like, mid-table, going to hang out there sort of team. And Newcastle kind of have not that vibe right now, but a team just above that station thinking about Europe, trying to do something with their season, cup run, something like that. In the past, when I've seen matches between teams like that, just going based on my previous knowledge, uh, Stoke would get stomped out by Aston Villa or whoever the flavor of the month would be at that time. And I kind of foresee that happening here with Newcastle. I think as much as I'm on Team Ivan Tony for the World Cup 2022, believe the hype, um, I don't think he and he alone at this moment, despite there being a couple more pieces of Brentford, are enough to get them across the line against a Newcastle team who looks greatly improved. They look the real deal or as real deal as you can be trying to get into the conference league because it will make you more money no matter how lowly it is. I'm going to take Newcastle because as much as I don't want to bet on the home favorite at minus 120 because I want to make as much money as possible, a draw doesn't look the outcome here, and I don't trust Brentford. So I'm back on the bullshit, boys. Miggy for another goal. Just keeps going. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miggy and Newcastle as well. I think when they're awfully fit, awfully going, I think they're one of the better teams uh, outside the top six and possibly very soon going to become a part of the top six. And as far as Newcastle, as far as Brentford go, I just don't trust them enough. However, on their day, when Ivan Tony's balling out, they are a very, very good team. The problem is, I don't know how consistent the players around him really are. So um, until I see any sort of consistency, not really going to bet on Brentford. Moving on to the next game, Brighton at plus seven, oh, plus 175, not 775, against Tottenham at plus 155, draws a plus 230, over-unders at two and a half. Big result, I mean... I would say a big result for Brighton in their first game with the new manager at Anfield. Trossard hat-trick. Will, you saw them firsthand. What are your thoughts on them taking on a Tottenham team that lost against Arsenal, Conte continuing his terrible European record and not winning the group stage game. Now they are back going to Amex, which I do think is a tough game. But this might suit them because they like to just sit back and counter. So what are your thoughts? I I think if Brighton play with some teeth, man, they might be able to get into this Tottenham team. I I saw Brighton firsthand, and I do think there's a lot of cut and thrust to this team that people thought was going to go away with Graham Potter that might just be instilled in them. And Trossard, on his day, found his spots every single time and picked them to perfection. And I think he can do more of that going forward. Pascal Gross is still kind of out here balling too. I can't really deny. I can't deny the Brighton movement. I kind of think Tottenham might get found out here. I think it doesn't matter if Antonio Conte has 
his football brain on. Sometimes Tottenham things are just going to Tottenham. All right. I've said it, and I know I'm wearing a navy blue and white hat. has nothing to do with them. Uh, baseball sim at the battery if you're looking for uh, good baseball stuff. But I'm going to bet against them. This is the dumbass bet of the week. I saw what Brighton can do, and I think that on their day at the MX, which I've always said is a fortress, they can find out a Tottenham team who's coming off of a performance that they thought they were going to do well in, and then a performance where they thought they could get found, they thought they could get found out, and then got found out in. They're gonna get found out again by Brighton. It's a lot of rhymes in there, but I, I'm, I'm gonna stick with it. This feels a smarter, dumbass bet of the week than last week. Fucking Fulham. There were a lot of finding outs in there. Um, <laughs> too I, many. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had trouble following all of them. Um, I. I'm a little torn on this one in some ways that I think that uh, Spurs will want to come back and, and make a statement after, obviously, the North London Derby not going how they want to, uh, midweek in Europe not going how they wanted to. And I I kind of think you might see a response, but I also I don't know that they're going to have the tape necessarily on Brighton to be able to, to come out and kind of counteract what they want to do. Because you think of... Conte, like he he has a system, but you think of him as generally a tactical manager who wants to neutralize what his opponents do, and like obviously he can look at what the manager has done other places, and he can look at one game against Liverpool, but there's not a whole lot to draw on with how he's going to do with this Brighton team. So I think Brighton have an advantage in that area. I'm not convinced that Amex is. A fortress. I I think Brighton play well there, and I think that that they have what's in them to to get something out of that match. But I'm going to go with the draw. I I think Spurs will want to set some things right. I think Brighton also have um, enough talent and possibly, like I mentioned, the element of surprise to to attack the Spurs team a little bit. So I think they play fairly even. You know what? I am going to go with Spurs. I think if you give me that decent a team at plus 155, even though it is a tough, tough environment, I kind of have to go with them. Having said that, I also do believe that Brighton are a very well-run organization team, whatever you want to call them. And as far as this particular um iteration of Brighton with the new manager goes, I do think even though things might be similar... Uh, in terms of tactics and whatnot, there will be a difference in how they apply them. So I do believe uh, they are going to be a little susceptible on the break the way they played against Liverpool. And I just think Tottenham have to have a bounce-back performance here. Like I, I do think the way Spurs are and the way Conte is, if things do go south at some point, it's going to go real south real quick. Because, again, he, Conte has multiple times come out and said that, hey, like, we are not going to, you know, I have never competed for top four in my life. He's always competed for Titans, which is kind of not true, but also true for the most part of his career. So, again, th- this is the moment. It's kind of like when uh, everybody looks at the stock market goes, there has to be a bounce. Otherwise, everyone's fucked. So I'm going to say there has to be a bounce for Spurs or else their problems are only going to get bigger. And uh, talking about problems, a team that... The two teams that have given quite a few teams problems this year have been Palace and Leeds. They take on each other. Palace at plus 115, Leeds at plus 235, draws at plus 240, over-unders at two and a half. Braden, your two non-Arsenal 
shouldn't say favorite, but well-liked managers for you, who do you favor in this game? Uh, I'm going with Fiera. I think Palace at Solis Parker are a difficult team to play. I think that I don't want to say they got robbed this past week because I think that Chelsea played them pretty decently, but Silva probably should have gotten sent off and then then contributed in the build-up to Chelsea's second goal. So I think Palace are still a very good team. Like I think that they've had a little bit of, I don't want to say tough luck, but I think they've had a lot of matches that they've been competitive in that it just hasn't quite gotten over the line. And so I, I think that starts straightening out here. Like I think you see Palace start to rack up some points with the fixtures they have coming up. And I think it starts here. Like I, I think Palace are a better team than Leeds. I think they get three points here. And I, I think you kind of start to see Palace turn this around. I mean, I can't really argue. I I stand with the Selhurst Park comment. Uh, I think a Leeds team who's a little bit... Uh, it, the whole team, manager included, look a little uh, feathers ruffled right now. Uh, especially considering a sending off in their last match and the fact that that sending off may have happened as a result of Jesse Marsh being somewhere in the uh, defensive coordinator box. But he'll be back on the touchline for this. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, though, because I think this Palace team might be a tidbit more well-drilled for a moment like this. You got a Leeds team who's coming in hot and not as in, like, winning-wise, but just, like, a tidbit miffed. And I think Patrick Vieira will have his boys go, hey, they're going to come in hot under the collar. Keep your cool. Remember, we got all these crazy assholes behind us. We should be fine. I'm going to go ahead and take Palace. It also pays out nicely and something, something, supporters section, glad all over. Yeah, I'm taking Palace. Yeah, I'm going to go with Palace as well in this situation. I think they are the better team, even though I do believe Leeds can spring a surprise every now and then. How? But I think this game, Palace, again, another team, when they are healthy, they get going they are a very hard team to beat. Moving on, West Ham at minus 130, taking on Fulham at plus 340, over or draw is at plus 270, over-unders is two and a half. Another London derby taking place. Will, these are your favorite. Which one are you going to take? Oh, man. Uh, first off, London derby every week for life. Um, second of all, yeah, you got to take West Ham in this, don't you? Uh I feel like coming off their last performance, that kind of shakes a little bit loose some ill feeling that may have been hanging around their heads. And I think this Fulham team, uh, I have not heard the latest uh, update on Mitrovic, but I know that 88% of the football of Fulham goes through him. And I also know that Fulham did kind of get sorted out by Newcastle last week. And that's punishment for making that pick. And with no AEW joke this week, because fuck it, I'm going ahead and I'm picking West Ham. David Moyes and them boys to pick up some points. Again, minus 130, it feels a safe bet. Low-key, I might take the over because I don't think the good times are going to last much longer at Fulham. I'm not going to say the wheels are going to fall off, but, man, they're going to lose a couple of headcaps. Headcaps? Hubcaps. Whatever, young. I, I am not sure about the over because I, I think West Ham have played pretty defensively this season and generally haven't scored a lot themselves. Uh, but I'm with you on West Ham, like overall. Like I think that I, I'm especially without Mitrovic. I'm not sure what to make of like this team and, and kind of how they're going to run the offensive score goals without him. So for me, I'm also going West Ham. Um, I don't see a goal fest here, but I do think that West Ham kind of 
pretty comfortably win this. I am going to go for a draw in this game. I think West Ham, Europa Conference League, it's they at some point um they're going to face teams that on if they're not at their very best can cause them issues. Fulham are a team like that. And to be honest, um this is a more even game than the odds suggest in my opinion because I am not really willing to take West Ham at minus 130. Might look like an idiot next week, but for now, I'm going to go with this. Moving on, Arsenal at home at plus 155, taking on Liverpool at plus 160. Draws at plus 230, over-unders at three. Braden against Will. How are you feeling about this, Braden? It's probably the most confident I've been for a Liverpool match in the last few years for Arsenal. And, and I say that as like Liverpool are a team that have made Arsenal look very, very bad <laughs> several times over the last few years. And so I... I think this is a get-right spot for really... Well, I guess you can't really call it a get-right spot for Arsenal considering they're top of the league currently. But, like, I think both teams are going to have a lot of motivation in this game. I I think the difference could be that it's at Emirates. Like, if you're paying attention to, like, most people who follow Arsenal, like, everyone comments about how Emirates is, like, the loudest it's been really since... Arsenal were at Highbury, which wasn't the Emirates at all. And that I, I think that that atmosphere might make a little bit of a difference in just kind of giving Arsenal a little bit more of an edge that I think they need. Because as much as Liverpool have not been clicking in all cylinders this weekend, I think this is kind of a litmus test that if, if you wanted to kind of rally the troops and refocus them. I think like this is kind of the match that you can do it where you can be like, all right, here's our chance to like say to everyone, like we haven't left yet. Like we can still uh, go and achieve everything we want to do this season. Like we're still fully in this, but I think Arsenal are also going to have plenty of desire to take up the mantle and be like, Nope, we are like, we're, we're taking this now. And like, we are going to be the team that's chasing city now. So I think it's going to be a fantastic match. I'm going to give Arsenal just on the edge. I think this line is just about right because, honestly, all three of these outcomes, I think, are pretty close to equally likely. Um, So I'm going to go with Arsenal just edging it, but I'm expecting a really interesting match from a team that plays in a way that Arsenal really haven't seen this year. Um, So I, I think that will be interesting as well. Uh, I was going to come in all fucking bluster and fucking feeling good about myself, but I'd rather be earnest here. Uh, watching the way the ears perked up at the match on the week at Rangers after just a couple of different shifts in the way the formation was played from Liverpool kind of gets you excited for a match like this because if what changed in there continues to be true and there are more pieces that can be slotted in in different places – possibly playing Bobby uh, possibly the fact that Hendo is essentially just converting himself to covering all of Trent's mistakes is my, my favorite thing in the world. Who knows? But the way they've changed the lineup, there are still more pieces that can be put in and out of that, but it was also incredibly attacking. Nunez looks like he's due for one. And the combinations that are going on up front make me kind of feel like a Liverpool team who had their backs up against the wall, went out and did something that Liverpool typically does, which is play well in Europe and get their heads up and beyond them because the big European night at Anfield, yada, 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 fuck all that. They will come into this 
with their away support, who is also going to be very excited to show up to an Emirates that is fucking rocking. Like, they're going to want to bring it because Arsenal is here for it. I wanted to say this was a draw when I looked at this because I kind of still believe that Arsenal actually have that dog in them to go out there and pip a win off of Liverpool or at least pip a point off of them. But for some fucking reason, I'm going to go with my fucking heart and I'm going to go saying that it's going to be a banger and Liverpool's going to sneak out of there at one. They're not going to win it handily. They're not going to win it in a convincing fashion. They're going to eke out one, and they're going to feel good about themselves and be able to carry on the rest of the season for at least some sort of push. I don't even think it's a bad day for Arsenal at the office. I think it's just a, a shock and all sort of deal. They're going to be way more contests in which Arsenal are going to beat the shit out of us and make us feel bad. I just don't think it's going to happen yet. And I'm putting my heart on my sleeve here. I feel like just a couple tactical changes might make this a lot closer than we give it credit for. So I'm going to take Liverpool based on my heart. The draw is what my brain said. But, you know, in the rare case where I'm not just being doing it for jokes, I'm going with heart, man. I feel like we got our ear, like our heads in the right spaces. And it's going to be a good match. And I think that might be all I want because I feel like picking Liverpool, I've made myself look like a giant fucking homer. Quite honestly, uh, the only thing I do not want here is a high-scoring draw because <laughs> the media will fucking hype both these teams up. <laughs> like, oh, Arteta can't do any wrong after all these same fucking pundits for the last 24 months have been criticizing him nonstop. And, like, Klopp, same thing. And, like, Trent scores a goal, assists, and, like, makes a mistake for and gives up a goal. And everybody's going to be like, oh, look, like he's so good going forward. But like, yo, like his criticism has always been he's shit defensively. And like doing the one thing everybody knows you can do great does not mean you are away from criticism and whatnot. So having said all of that, I, I this is a real test for Saliba, in my opinion, because I think um, if his partner is going to be Gabriel in this game, uh, I would love to see Nunes versus Gabriel. Uh, I think I really like... Nunez, even though his performances have been shit, I don't like Gabriel, even though his performances have been brilliant. So this is kind of like inverse Sapoon uh, opinions going at each other. And overall, I do think Arsenal are the better team, but against Liverpool, I'm going to go with Liverpool. Again, like one of those situations where I don't know how good Arsenal are. Like, I, I think Arsenal can make a statement in this game, even though it is going to come on the backs of a Europa League game, which you know, obviously deflates the team a little bit. Um, I don't know if they're traveling or not. But as far as this particular game goes, Liverpool, again, if the, if Liverpool doesn't bounce, and like if Arsenal does win this game, the two-horse race is going to be a two-horse race, in my opinion. Like at that point, you kind of are starting to see the two separate. And Arsenal, I mean, City are, in, according to our bets, going to be top of the league going into this game. So there's something to play for for Arsenal. And this, as Brayden already said, is a game that has been very, very terrible for Arsenal over the last couple of years. I mean, let's be real, like it's been <laughs> close to half a decade. I would say that like Arsenal's played them really well. So this is an opportunity where Arsenal can come out and prove a point. And depending on how they get the point or points in this game, there could be a lot to take away from in this particular game. But Arsenal and Liverpool, one of the best Premier League games of all time when Andre Arsenal scored four. 
I would love to see a repeat of that and like Martinelli scores four. You just said you don't want to see a high scoring draw. Like, I know. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to see that, but at the same time as a neutral watching this, it that is the most entertaining game to watch. I said Sergio Ramos like, head lives in my head rent free. Andre Archman, that four, that face forever. Forever. Bro, he he finished top ten in the Ballon d'Or vote. I had no idea. He's so good. <laughs> like I had no idea. I hate it. Before he got sad that Russia didn't qualify um, for the World Cup, <laughs> he was incredible. He was really, really was. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Liverpool. I I do think this is again a game where you need to see a little bit of the old. But um, by old Liverpool, I mean the very recent Liverpool, not the old old Liverpool, because you know not. I mean, great. it could be up for grabs. Fernando yeah. Torres, Javi Alonso. Ronnie Whelan? Like zero league titles, yeah. Michael that, that is. <laughs> Mario Balotelli? Christian Benteke? Yeah, we can, we can do this all day, guys. <laughs> I mean, Benteke had Stuart that fight against us, though. Andy Carroll, bro. We, we didn't say Andy Carroll? And I love Stuart Downing. You take that back. <laughs> I mean, you got the Uruguayan Andy Carroll now, so it's all good. Oh, man, he ain't got enough hair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. After all the shit that I've talked about Lampard, here is a true test. Everton at home at plus 265 against Manchester United. Even odds. Draw is a plus 245. Over under is a two and a half. Everton's given a tough game to everyone, whether they have won or lost so far, especially at Goodison. Will, what are your thoughts about this game? Given everything I've said about Everton in the past, you would think that I would want to look past Everton and pick Manchester United. Although, if you know me as a human being... I don't want to pick anyone in this match. And there was also a part of me that was going to pick a draw in two consecutive matches because your boy kind of felt like this was going to be a draw. I felt like United were going to come out and storm out and maybe Everton with the balance of Goodison was going to be able to, you know, maybe stick it out and get a draw out of it. But I think that if Manchester United want to show that this is a proper rebuilding season, then there's a, there's a point where you get, I'm going to say it again, where you get that dog in you and you get a little pissed off. And being beaten six by a bunch of robots and a ball fraud, yeah, bruh, I got my old ball fraud and I'm pissed about it. So I'm going to take the even odds. I'm going to take Manchester United. I think Everton might get a little bit sorted here, even though they had a decent result. I still think Everton are going to get sorted at the end of the day. I just kind of foresee – I don't foresee a draw on this. I foresee United coming out, being angry. And going into Goodison and just kind of showing that they haven't, like, we got beat by a better team, but we're a better team than we looked on the day. Again, a lot of betters, but it made sense in my head. I'm going to take Manchester United because because I should probably take Everton because they're the only people who want me. No, I'm going Manchester United. I'm not going to change my opinion. I fucking hate this game. I should take a draw. I'm just, just give me United. I think it's interesting that Everton currently have the best defensive record in the league. Like They have the fewest conceded goals in the Premier League right now, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. Boring. I, yeah, yeah. Like I think a lot of it is at how many like high-powered team, how, how many high-powered offenses have they really played? Like I don't think they've played that many, so I'm not going to get carried away with that stat this early in the season, but I think that's interesting because last year they certainly didn't do that no matter who they played. Um, so I 
I do think you're seeing some improvement there as far as just an Everton team being a little bit more organized. That said, I think that United are just a better team. And to to your point, like, I do think you'll want to see a response here if if you're United and, and kind of bounce back for that, which I think you've seen some from this United team. Like they had some disastrous results earlier in the year, especially considering the Brentford one turned it right around and, and got some big results after that. So um, for me, I'm going to go with United. I, even odds here seems like easy money. So I'm going to take that and then weep at the end of this match. You know, I'm going to go for a draw in this game. Um, I, and primarily because I have been very, very impressed with uh, Ever- uh, Everton and Frank Lampard's after everything that I've said about him as a manager, and uh, specifically, they have the best defensive record in the Premier League, I believe, for this season. So United, not the most uh, expansive team in terms of scoring goals. But what I will say, if you're a Manchester United fan watching this, Martial came in and looked hungry in that Manchester City game. It wasn't hard to look hungry as a Manchester United player, but, uh, I mean, we were down 6-1 when he came on, so like, you you run around for like five minutes you look hungry enough i i don't know like i just saw like guys run past him and be like oh man he ran past me <laughs> huh <laughs> i mean hey he was hungry enough that rashford thought about feeding him um having said all of that <laughs> having said all of that i'm gonna take the draw because i I have to see United consistently put in performances and not just results. I think we have gotten results against the Southamptons and Leicester in the middle of two big games we had in Arsenal and uh, Liverpool. However, the performances in those games were not great, in my opinion. Like I think we went and got the result. You can take it any way you want, but I would like to see a bit more of a flawless performance. Even though it's hard, it's good as in it's one of the tougher grounds to go to. And supposedly is going to be Casemiro's first start for uh, Manchester United in the Premier League. So a lot of things to look forward to. And I do believe that if all things come together, it can be a very good game for United. But a draw at plus 245 just looks enticing. And I'm not going to go full Sapoon as I normally do and go with Everton. Because again, I do believe in United. But last time we went, the last couple of times we've gone to Goodison, it's not been great results. So hopefully that changes. Moving on. Two teams that I had such different outlooks about starting the season. And now I still have a similar outlook about Villa that I think they're going to be fuck all until Steven Gerrard is the manager. But Forrest had an emergency meeting to remove Steve Cooper. They decided to keep him on. And I do believe he is fighting for his job in this game. I think if they lose this game at home, most likely he's gone. But they signed like 25 fucking players. Like... I could have told you that's not a good idea, but they went and did what they did, and they are a team that concedes one of the most amount of shots per game, if not the most, and they have a goalkeeper whose main strength is in actually being able to like pass the ball and like playing from the back, and they don't do any of that. So it's kind of a weird mix of signings so far. The players haven't really looked good. Jesse Lingard's looked shit. Um, their striker they signed for Bundesliga, unlike Holland, has not hit the ground running from Bundesliga. So that man got all the tax levied on him. <laughs> it, it's it is just like America. The rich don't pay anything, and it comes only on the working man. Uh, that is fair. Welcome that is to fair. Income equality. So uh, having said all that, Will, 
How are you feeling about Nottingham Forest? Because I do think a loss in replacing Steve Cooper might be the right way to go. But a win here can also maybe spur some change. I feel like the guy has a, like, tactically is sound enough that this should be working. But like you said, with not, with a bunch of new people who, you know, you kind of have to cultivate and mold all at once. And job can be a little more difficult than we give it credit for. You see a Villa team who was kind of stymied by that uh, angry, hot-under-the-collar Leeds team in the last match. You saw Coutinho, who's supposed to be someone who's out there banging in goals for them and propelling them up the table, knocking them off the post. Eventually, those got to fall. And eventually, a Villa team with the the amount of talent they have in comparison to this Forest team, who also has talent, but maybe just has it slapdashily. That's not a word. Um, I think Villa come through, and I don't think this is a result that Forrest necessarily want here. I, I'm going to take Villa in this one. Uh, it's not even the trust in Stevie G and what he's doing necessarily. I just kind of think Villa, on their day, will avenge the fact that they didn't score when they should have against a Leeds team who was kind of knocking around trying to piss them off. They're going to come in hot, and this Forrest team, if they got the goal— if they believe in the manager, they will come out and they will put in a performance and I will eat my words. And I will happily do that because I'm okay with eating words from these two teams. But I just don't think that's the case here. I'm going to take Aston Villa. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, to oh, me, I apologize straight... to you. <laughs> <laughs> to me, this is pretty straightforward. I'm, I'm going to take Villa in this game. I, I have not been impressed with Forrest. Like, yes, I get it is at Forrest, so, like... Maybe that makes a difference. I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Um, draw is probably the smarter bet, to be honest with you. But like something just tells me that Villa might get this one done. I, I, I've said it before. I think Villa are probably the most difficult team to bet on because like they have the capability to go and get a draw against City and maybe should have won that game. And they also have the capability to lose to Burnmouth. So like I don't... I, <sighs> I never know what to do with this Villa team, but I'm going to go with them this time and see how it works out. You know what? I am going to go for a draw in this game. I believe I'm a boy Dino for all things considered. And um, fuck Steven Jarrah. That's really all I got. Having said all that, that is it from us. We'll be back next week. Games are going to keep on coming. Plenty of games. They're all the competitions are about to start. It is going to be very, very hectic. And um, if you are a Man United, Atlanta United fan, sorry that you have to split your time between the two games this week. Having said that, that is it from us. We'll be back next week. Cheers. 62 is better than 70.